Welcome to episode 157 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Happy Digital Day, John. Happy Digital Day, Dirk. Wow, that alliterates like crazy, doesn't it? Indeed. For our podcast today, we are going to discuss the various product launches at Google's I.O. 2016 conference, which is their their big uh, uh, product launch every year. And I want to, before we get into the specifics of, of uh, the Google announcements, I just want to make a note that uh, in previous episodes, we've always covered the Apple events until they became so boring that they weren't worth covering. And I thought a little piece of analysis that 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 you did uh, uh, probably about six months ago, uh, just sort of stating that Apple was going to get overtaken by one of its more innovative competitors. I, I think it's probably worth at least uh, mentioning that that day may have may have come with uh, Google I/O 2016. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the day came a long time ago, but now we can all agree. You know, now it's it's not just obvious to to me and a small number of people, but I mean, any any thinking person um, obviously sees that as Apple um, has huge announcements over um, going back to small sized phones as an option, in contrast to Google's uh, penalty of new technology announcements and innovations that uh, the only thing left is for Google, or I guess I should say Alphabet, to surpass Apple in stock price. And that's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Yeah, just from a market perspective, let's also take note that the, uh, you know, the Apple uh, stock took a little bit of a beating as its, uh, um, you know, as, as its returns were were no longer as spectacular as, you know, in previous uh, quarters. It, let me just say, I mean, that's still, you know, they're still the largest company on earth. So uh, kudos to Apple for, for holding on to that. But at the same time, it is uh, quantitatively as well as qualitatively obvious that as far as innovation goes in the technical sphere, Apple is getting outflanked. For sure. I mean, it's almost like the days before Steve returned to the company in the mid-1990s that the, the Apple product portfolio is, is stale and flaccid compared to the new innovations and directions being taken by competitors. And it, it feels like they would, need, uh, they, they would need something that seemingly came out of left field as, as a Hail Mary to, from my perspective, get back into the conversation of the future of digital products and lifestyle. I think they're the, the present um, to a gradually diminishing degree as well as the recent past. Yeah, I, I'm on board with that. So with that preamble, let's uh, take a moment to savor the Google product announcements. Let's start off with their Android operating system, which is more and more becoming their master platform for the Google software ecosystem, which is, you know, basically Google everywhere, Google in your car, Google on your arm, and uh, now Google virtual reality, right? The VR system built on top of Android N, which is the unnamed uh, new OS shipping in the summer. And uh, Daydream is 
sort of splitting the difference between cardboard and uh, Oculus Rift, right? So they've got this reference design for a headset, which presumably will incorporate a VR-enabled phone. If you've ever tried cardboard, which seems completely ridiculous and reminds me of the 3D glasses that you'd get uh, at the old school, you know, 1980s movie theater where you strap on this, uh, you know, this piece of cardboard with the funny lenses. And all of a sudden there's this headache inducing experience known as 3D uh, movies, you know, cardboard you know, I thought was going to be that, but actually there's some New York Times applications that are actually kind of enjoyable uh, using using cardboard. I, I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. So this is the bottom-up uh, approach to VR, which means that it's accessible to people uh, in a way that Oculus Rift, really, you know, frankly, is not with, with such a high price tag where it's probably going to appeal to a certain you know, strata of folks. Uh, so, so let's start with daydream. Uh, are you daydreaming of daydream, Dirk? <laughs> you know, John, um, no, but I think that daydream's on the right track. I mean, VR is still at a stage where, you know, bleeding edge early adopters might find it exciting and interesting, but it's not particularly practical or sustainable or something that can be like a core part of a normal person's lifestyle. It it ain't there yet. Google is starting to move it closer with Daydream by virtue of usability and simplicity and integration. And I mean, that goes back to the Google roots of the company. You know, um, certainly Google wasn't the first search engine by a mile, but what they did is they took the the idea of search engine as sort of the powerful central point of a giant platform of crap and they removed the crap and said the search engine is the important part. What they're doing uh, with Daydream is moving down the path of having the technology be more usable, more accessible, and more able to be integrated into someone's daily life and environment instead of being some gigantic thing strapped to their head, which is how um, you know the, the most popular VR technologies have been manifesting so far. So I'm heartened and optimistic about Daydream as the Google foray into VR. Um, but for me, VR technology ain't there yet. I'm happy to sit on the sidelines and uh, let other people burn a lot of money and energy um, dallying with, with the latest and greatest stuff that 30 years ago would have been in a sh- sharper image store. Um, and uh, and then when it gets to be something really practical and interesting, I'll get into it um, more in, in my own life. Um, but, you know, Daydream is a path down um, VR as integrated part of a digital life. And that's that's great. I mean, it shows that Google's thinking about the problems in the right way as they generally do. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, VR and Notwithstanding, there's the other aspects to this Android OS release, which includes uh, Android Wear, of course. We all know that we're now, uh, you know, covered with other digital objects like watches or fitness trackers or what have you. Android Wear, I think, provides some autonomy for your Android-powered Google smartwatch. Um you know, I I haven't really found that object yet that's got me excited about smartwatches. Uh, frankly, I kind of like not having anything on my wrist, so 
I, uh, you know, I, I suppose if I'm jogging or something, uh, you know, that might be the occasion for me to put on a, a smartwatch of some kind that could track all of my calorie burning activities. But it, it's just not not there for me yet. It's it's interesting that Google is folding. Uh, the the smartwatch or the wearables into its its larger platform, which also includes, of course, the uh, um, the ability to be used uh, by automakers as part of you know Android for auto. Um, you know the 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 ability to have tendrils into all these aspects of you know how digital is becoming you know part of all of our environments. Uh, you know I think I think that's strategy wise. I think that's pretty uh, spot on. And, and I know that a lot of companies are trying to do the same thing, but Google seems to have, uh, you know, the ability to actually execute on a lot of these things. Uh, so, so I think this new Android release, uh, Android N, but it's going to be, they're going to crowdsource the naming scheme. So be prepared for some sort of, uh, thing that would appeal to your sweet tooth, some kind of candy, uh, and I, th- I think it's just going to further uh, entrench Google as, as one of the uh, top competitors in any sort of uh, mobile ecosystem uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, it, sh- it certainly shows that they're keeping pace. I mean, the, the big problem with Android and the thing that uh, I-, I feel Google has to sort out and change before Android can really supplant Apple um, and iOS, um, I-, I think is required is to get closer to the Apple model of curated garden instead of the open model of Wild West. The, the open Wild West model is one that you know, goes back to the days of Microsoft and the idea that um, it's just sort of this, this um, clumsy, cluttered, disorganized, chaotic stew of um, software and stuff. And that's not consumer-friendly. I mean... Apple, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, but I think at the core of Apple's success and Apple's ascension over the last 20 years is hitting the sweet spot of let's make this easy for the every man or woman to come in and get what they want in a safe environment that's usable and accessible and intuitive. Um, Android ain't that. And it, they're still on their old, their old model. And I, I don't think that Google with Android as a platform is going to reach their full potential until they figure that out, until they get out of the chaos mode. Um, so, you know, whether it's Android itself or some future platform that the next latest and greatest that replaces Android down the road, I think I think that's going to be sort of the the nexus of of where where Google needs to to solve it to to own sort of the personal computing ecosystem for for a, a, a real majority of, of people. But, you know, beyond that, going back to the, the devices, as you were talking about, look, I, I've, I've talked about this on the show a whole bunch. Right now there's too many devices in the personal computing ecosystem. We've got our laptop or desktop main machine. We've got our iPad tablet device. We've got our smartphone. Now they're proposing to bring watches in, you know, at a, at a little different level, but still in that ecosystem are things like the Fitbit or these these sort of complementary IoT devices. 
Brass tacks, there should be no more than two personal computing devices that cover all of the use cases that people need within their ecosystem. There may be other um, accessories off that. So I have my laptop and I also have a big monitor that the laptop plugs into. But at the end of the day, um, the laptop is the, the computing device, right? And so right now, um, the market is trying to make four different devices fit in. Again, the personal computer, the tablet device, the smartphone device, and the watch-like device. And that's two devices too many. And it's why watches are flailing. Um, I think there's a great opportunity for innovation for the company that really nails what are the two devices. In the long term, it's one device because the, the, the nanotechnology, the miniaturization will get to such a point that we have one thing that is the com- personal computing thing with and accessories coming off it. But, but pushing that onto the farther out shelf, in the nearer term, the person, uh, the company that can solve for here are the correct two computing devices in people's ecosystem to solve these use cases in sort of the best hybrid way, like that's that's what we really need. The, trying to solve at the watch watch level is putting one more unnecessary device into the stream, and it's just strategically wrong. Yeah, I, I struggle with that. Uh, um, and and don't forget. There's also all of the legacy devices that, like, we may we may have, you know, in your example, you know, there's four sort of current devices and the types on the uh, on the marketplace. But my uh, drawers are filled with the detritus of, um, you know, Apple upgrades and uh, you know wearables that were not so wearable anymore, and headphones and Lord knows what else, uh, you know. A, virtual treasure trove for the uh, garbage pit. Right. Next up on our list of Google announcements are uh, their their Allo AI-powered messaging app with chatbot. So everybody has a bot. Everybody wants to chat. Doing the bot. And uh, everybody's artificially intelligent. So with each iteration, we get more impressive uh, slightly better usability and the you know the ambient interface the beyond the screen I'm just going to talk to the you know computer uh, you know that that gets a little bit closer but man these increments they're gonna they're gonna kill us all because you know as as you've pointed out before it's in in part it you're still sort of making yourself fit with the UI so the interface isn't made for you, you're conforming to the interface. And you know that that's a sort of early adopter problem because in every instance where I've encountered that with previous technology, it was always a sign, you know, that it's slightly, you know, immature and that, you know, ultimately I was making the myself work for the technology, not the technology work for me. Uh, so so we can have high hopes for Allo uh, and and for the AI-enabled chatbot, but my guess is that, um, you know, it's going to be a couple more iterations before we start really getting these these chatbots working. In the meantime, I'm going to forget all of their names. So uh, unlike, you know, the, the mouse pointer click, which doesn't require a name, um, you know, you have to speak to, uh, uh, you know, Siri, and you have to speak to Alexa, and, and now Allo, and whoever the other chatbots are, 
Um, it's like you have a whole uh, AI family that you're going to have to interact with for a while. So I, I don't know what they do about that, but the code words for starting these up are, you know, almost going to be as bad as password management. I'm waiting to get Brutus, the chatbot, to, to, <laughs> to come in there and really, really rough me up a little bit. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, the, the chatbots, listen, I mean, for, from a Google perspective, to get back to our main, our main thread, it's good that Google's working on this stuff. It's good that they're working on this stuff in a way and at a level of competence that they're comfortable publicly sharing what they're working on and that they're working on this stuff. But it remains stupid. And we talk about artificial intelligence a lot on this show and AI. And um, those things are worth talking about. They are a big part of the future of the digital life. But for me, for, for the foreseeable future, I think most of the time when I talk about AI, I'm going to be referring to artificial ignorance as opposed to artificial intelligence. Ah, that is that is super clever. I'm going to have to remember that. So, so why, why are you uh, so skeptical of AI? Because it's dumb, you know? It's, it's, the, it's the shit I talk about on the show all the time. It's when I'm in the car and I, I say, I ask Siri to do something for me, it comes back with a, a list of Google results. I'm, I'm driving the car. I don't want to scroll through a list of 10 results to sort it out. I just wanted to figure it out as I deal with Alexa and I say, play my iTunes library. Alexa shoots me over to Amazon and plays something that I don't want. I say, play this album. It plays the song instead. I mean, it's, it's, it's rubbish. It's a whole bunch of rubbish. Um, you know, when you have a Watson that is trying to beat the go champion and they put a bajillion man hours on it and, and millions or tens of millions, or I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay, sure. They can crack it. But for these, more common use cases that massive amounts of money aren't being put behind. It's it's still artificial ignorance. So the future is exciting, but it's it's going to be clumsy getting there. Right. The present is a beta test. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And, of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? Listeners, you can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening to the show. So that's it for episode 157 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.